I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati. And Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Ian, we've got another special edition. We haven't done a special edition podcast in a while. So that's, you know, we're we're back with a special edition uh, about the draft. Let's double it up. It's a special, special edition. Super, it's super special. Super special, double special, triple stamp the double stamp. You can't triple stamp the double stamp. We got two guests today. Uh, Chris Hart and, and Joe Rolls are joining us. Uh, Chris Hart, you can follow Chris at, uh, at Topher Hart on Twitter. You can follow Joe Rolls at Joe Rowe underscore NFL, capital J, capital R, capital NFL. This is a, a draft special, but I have to... I have to just throw a little kink in the system here. Per a league source, according to Adam Schefter, Broncos Pro Bowl slot cornerback Chris Harris has requested either a new contract or a trade. So that has draft implications. I suppose we should definitely uh, consider having that conversation. I have to say that it's more than a kink. That could, depending on how you view Chris Harris Jr., it could be a full wrench. Kink, wrench, I mean, it could just be a gigantic bomb set inside the machine and just everything explodes. So um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ask Joe first, Joe, what's your take on that? What, what is your reaction to that particular setup? 
My initial thought is that we should definitely extend him. I think the Broncos are better with Chris Harris in the fold. Uh, definitely the comments that Elway dropped today in his press conference probably ruffled his feathers. And it kind of leaves you wondering how much the Broncos could get back in a trade. Because it definitely, at least to me, it did not sound like Elway is too eager to keep Harris if the money gets too high. So, and if we're not going to keep him after this year, you might get more in a trade for him. So, Hart, what do you think? Well, you know, as Joe had said, what uh, Elway said today that he didn't have time to really worry about that right now with everything that him and the staff are doing with the draft. It probably made him quite upset. But I will, everyone knows that Chris Harris Jr. is a phenomenal player. At the same time, he's getting up there in age 30. How many years do you offer an extension? How much money? Uh, he just got hurt last year. Injuries happen. So you give him a big contract with a lot of guaranteed money and he gets hurt next year. That doesn't really help the team. So. I can see both sides of the coin. There's no doubt that Chris Harris Jr. has been one of the most phenomenal players in Broncos, maybe history at the position other than Champ Bailey. And he's just been such a great player to go from undrafted to do what he does is awesome. But at the same time, you have to weigh the cost of what you're doing here. And it's understandable that the Broncos might have some concerns about extending him. So, I would like to see him back on the team. I want him to be on the team next year, but if the price does get too high and there's just no middle ground there, getting what you can out of him right now to help the team in the future with the rebuilding process, because as much as people don't want to say that, they're kind of rebuilding right now. So uh, I'll try to be optimistic and hope that they can come to an extension. But at the same time, if they do let him go or trade him away, hopefully the value is appropriate given his caliber of play. Um, I'll I'll try to be optimistic either way. I want to throw another wrench into this. Benjamin Albright quote tweeted Adam Schefter saying that Harris communicated a message to teammates earlier today, thanking them for being good teammates and saying he has enjoyed playing with them. So all of this could just be posturing. It could all just be both sides digging in and they'll eventually get it worked out. It, it will be interesting to see what happens over the course of the next, not even week, because I, I think come next Monday, if there isn't a contract, I think fans are going to start to lose their stuff and start to question Elway. I think people are already getting in my mentions on Twitter saying that. So <clears throat> I, I agree with, with everyone on saying that uh, – it's going to be interesting in terms of the money. I think guaranteed money is going to be the most important issue here, especially with a guy who's going to start the declining process as a cornerback. When mm-hmm. Once you get over 30, it's only a matter of time. Just look at Champ Bailey. So I think guaranteed money is going to be what is going to, it's going to be the holdup in all this and what Chris Harris Jr. wants and what Elway is going to, probably hold back on because with an aging cornerback, it's all, it's all about when it's not about if. So it's going to get very interesting over the next couple of days, especially if the Broncos draft a cornerback. That's a good point. You know, it's interesting just when you look at 
the 2015 Super Bowl, you know, when the Broncos won Super Bowl 50, Chris Harrison and Von Miller are, I mean, you know, Derek Wolf, these are some of the only guys left. And Von Miller's not going anywhere. Uh, it looks like Derek Wolf may be sticking around for a while. But but Chris Harris is the, the last of the no-fly zone, that great secondary. And, and I think fans are going to sort of – they're gonna they're gonna hold want to hold on to that, but but the truth is that was that was half a decade ago almost. You know, I mean we're we're far enough along now that a lot of those guys are long enough in the tooth that it may be time for them to leave. I, I hate the idea of Chris Harris uh, not being around for the end of his career. I think that would be uh, disappointing. I, I think the key is the the value. What what is the value you can get for him in the, in the in a trade? And if it's not enough then it's worth having him on the team and making sure that he gets an extension that makes sense. He's got he has to come to the realization though as well that he is 30 years old. He is further along in his career. There aren't that many good years left. And so what kind of extension is he really going to be able to get? And you know, he can go be a rent a player uh, for a few other teams and and probably find some success and and be very good for the next few years. But at the same time, his career is it's he's not on an upswing at this point right the pendulum is is swinging back or the the hill is is down not up so it'll be interesting to see what Elway chooses to do because he he definitely you know he he definitely will dig his heels in when he feels like he's being when he's be, when he's feeling like he's being accosted maybe accosted isn't the right word but oh you you want to challenge me you want to get into the negotiation ring and and see what happens I'm John Elway. This is my franchise. I'm not really worried about it. And and maybe that's the other key to it. John Elway doesn't have to worry about his job. He's got very good job security as the GM of the Denver Broncos. So let's open it up. What is the realistic trade value on this market for Chris Harris Jr.? So Hart, what, what do you think is a realistic return for Chris Harris Jr. at this point? Well, if I was John Elway in this situation – and offering him up in the trade or taking offers. I wouldn't ask for anything less than a first round pick given his caliber of play. You know, there's some decent cornerbacks in this draft, but the market's dry right now and you're getting an all pro caliber, pro co- pro bowl caliber player in Chris Harris Jr. Albeit the fact that you would have to give any, any team that trades for him is probably going to have to pony up the dough as well. But you have to start high, just like in real estate. You can always start high, but you can go lower. So I'd ask at at least a first-round pick for his services right away. Um, He's just that important of a player. And for a team that's closer to competing for championships than Denver, say there's a team in the back of the first round who was just a little bit short last year but needed secondary help, why not offer a first-round pick for a player like Chris Harris Jr. to believe that, hey, he's going to get us over that hump. Why not? Uh, I think there would be takers at that price, if not a first rounder, at least a, a package of uh, day two picks. So that, that that would be where I would even start with as a first rounder. But he's got value, albeit the age and injury concern. So, you know, start high and you always go lower. But I think that Elway and the Broncos would be foolish not to ask anything less than the first rounder at this point in time. All right, Joe, before you answer that question, we got some more uh, clarity from Mike Kliss from Nine News. Is it, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
clarity from Mike Kliss, that's an oxymoron. Yes. Well, Lori would say so. I'm, I'm, I'm representing Lori with that one. Uh, according to a source, Harris has requested either a contract of at least $15 million average per year or a trade. Okay. He's gone. <laughs> he, know, he knows he's gone. Like, uh, I think Jeff was the one that worked out the contract value a couple of days ago just because we were all talking about it. And Josh Norman, I think, is making something close to 13. I think it's like 12 and a half. But Josh Norman and a lot of the other players that are in that top-tier corner market all signed their contracts when they were 28 or younger, and they didn't—they weren't coming off an injury. And that's—it all matters. And the thing is, after you're 30, yeah, Chris Harris hasn't been hurt a lot up until now, but after 30, you're more likely to start getting hurt. And you have to keep that in mind when you make those deals. I think uh, a realistic trade, like a, a realistic contract value for Harris, would be something like a two-year, two-year with maybe a fifteen million average, something in the first two average. But you're stretching it out for the third, and the third's not going to be with a big guarantee, because then if he's declining by that third year, the Broncos can move on. Hmm. Okay. There's. A, I mean, I, I think there's a ton of variables here. Oh yeah. Will, I, yeah. It's clearly a negotiation tactic, but if he's asking 15 million, he knows exactly what he's doing. He yeah. wants to be traded. Well, and that's if he's texting teammates saying it was great playing with you, he expects to be traded anyway. Exactly. Like I don't think he expects this deal to happen in Denver. And I'm not saying that hoping he goes. I'm just saying I don't think he expects to stay. As I just put in Slack to ask for an average of 15 million per year or a trade, he's gone. That's what I think. I think he's he's backing today in the presser in a lot of ways, LA kind of came out hard and said, "We'll talk about a deal, but there's like he kind of asserted himself." And Harris is kind of barking back at that. And the thing is, like if you're backing LA into a corner here, Elway is going to make a move. Denver's in a position where it would make sense to get trade capital back. They're going to be chasing a quarterback either this year or next year. Like anything helps. Is there okay? So that that leads to another question here. Um, is there and I, um, Hart, you take this one. Is there a is there a cornerback need in the first round, or is there a team in the first round that needs a quarterback, or a team that's willing to part with a first round draft, uh, first round draft pick next year? Because that's that's really the the key here, right? You're not you're not going to get a first round draft pick in in 2019. This is for 2020. So, what team needs a cornerback this year that's willing to part with a 2020 first round draft pick next year? Whew. The tough questions come from tough people, and also well, hey, well, hey e even though the Houston Texans were able to get Bradley Roby in free agency. They lost Kareem Jackson, too, and they still don't have a lot of depth in that secondary. And it might not be a situation where their first-round pick in this year comes into play, but I might be wrong on this, but I believe that they have multiple second-rounders or an additional couple day-two picks. They have two second-rounders. Um, hey, if the Broncos were, say, you know, Houston – the Houston's need more than anything is getting someone to protect Deshaun Watson. So I don't think that they're in a – position at this point in time in this year's draft in 2019 to give up their first round pick this year because they need someone to protect Deshaun Watson badly. But if they've got two first round picks, I mean, two second round picks, 
and they were to offer that on the table for Harris, that could be something. Um, at the same point in time, the thing is that's going to hurt the Broncos' ability to get maximized value as far as trade capital goes, what they get in return, is the fact that now Chris Harris Jr. is commanding X amount of dollars. So you're sending him to a team right now, but whoever they end up trading him to, if they do indeed trade him, are going to have to end up paying that amount of money. So you have to look at the teams that also have that cap space for future years to absorb. And teams will gladly trade for a player of Chris Chris Harris's caliber. There's no doubt in my mind that there are 16 teams at least on the phone right now trying to call John Elway at Dove Valley saying, hey, what do you want for this guy? Because he's that good. But at the same time, you have to give up picks and you have to give up a lot of money to get him too. So the fact that you have to give him money is probably going to lessen what they would also want to give up as far as capital goes in return. So it's a sticky situation. And Harris, I mean, I got to give him credit. I mean, he's playing it pretty good. And if he is already messaging players like, hey, it was great to play with you, I'm going to operate under the assumption for the next 48 to 72 hours, which are big for all of us, that he's as good as gone. Um, And I hate to see that happen, but at the end of the day, he's a player that's trying to secure what he can while he can because the NFL, man, National Football League, but also not for long. And I can't knock him for trying. Um, I get it. Uh, The contract he signed four years ago, is no longer comparable to what his caliber of play is now. And as the cap increases, as things change, um, I get why he's doing it. And I, I believe he deserves a pay raise, but 15 million a year being 30 years old, coming off an injury as much as we all love him here on the podcast, all of us appreciate what he's done for the team deeply at this point in time is, is he worth that investment to the team? Um, moving forward, and we'll just have to wait and see. Here's the thing that comes to mind, though, with his contract. Any team that's going to try and trade for him, if they're trying to give up, if they're willing to give up a high pick, they're going to need that contract worked out before the draft, like before that pick is on the clock. So if Elway is in the in the in the mood to send him off now, will the the Broncos will end up having to probably take lesser value for that pick because the team is going to have to basically grab him and then work out the deal after they have him. So the time frame of this is really interesting because if a team can work out a contract extension in 48 hours, I could see it happening. But if they're willing to wait until the date, like the draft happening, it's, it's going to be weird and it, it'll probably hurt his value for the return to the Broncos. You know, just to, just to sort of put a bow on this, kind of wrap it up and then move on to actual draft stuff. I can actually see Elway sticking to his guns here and saying, I said I was going to deal with this after the draft. The draft ends this weekend. We'll talk, I'll, you want me to trade you? I'll trade you after the draft. You want me to, to work out a contract with you? I'll do that after the draft. But until the draft is over, you won't be hearing from me. And I, I think that that would be, if I was Elway I, and I didn't think I could get enough value out of him before the draft, that's exactly what I would do. Me too. So that being said, whew, on to the 2019 NFL draft. I, I have to inter, interject here. He's real quick interjecting. As, as Andrew Mason always says, it's never boring 
when you cover or talk about the Broncos. And this is even more evidence of that two days before the draft. It's like just it's as like, if we don't have enough to talk about. What do we about. do? Ah, it's craziness. Arguably, their best player wants to, uh, outside of Von Miller, their best player wants to be traded. Ah, hey, never a dull moment, man. That's that's covering the National Football League, and that's why we love it. All right, so who should they draft? The Broncos pick ten. There's so many scenarios. I'm just going to jump right in with who do you think, Hart, that the Broncos should draft? Who should they draft? That's a hard question to answer because who they should draft is dependent on who's available at the 10th overall pick. And the player I would like the most to draft or the two of them likely won't be there. But I'll say this much. I think it's a foregone conclusion. I agree with what has been said. You know, the media reports today that it's probably likely that Denver won't go QB. And I think that's a smart move in round one, avoiding the QB drama. If you're picking someone at 10 or even in a trade back, you, you want players to come in and that can make the team better right away. And Devin White's not going to be there. Ed Oliver's not going to be there. So you have to look at what other positions do the Broncos desperately need help at moving forward. And I mean, this is such a hard question to answer because – Chris Harris might be traded, and if he's traded, I had cornerback as a day two, day three need. Not something that they needed to address in the first round, but if they get rid of him, holy cow, they need someone at corner immediately to step in. They're going to be thrown in the fire as a rookie. So let's say Harris is traded at number 10. I don't see a value for a cornerback at that position, but considering a cornerback early on is going to have to happen. But if they stuck at 10, I'd be fine with Devin Bush. Uh, as I was talking to Joe earlier and some of the guys in Slack, he might not be the best linebacker in this class, but the thing I like about him over Devin White, which I think we've all grown to love and a lot of Broncos country has, is that his instincts are unparalleled in this class. And that matters in the league. A lot of people get hyped into size and 40 times and things like that. But if you're a fundamental football player who can always be in the right place at the right time, that's a good thing. And I like Devin Bush's instincts. I like the way that he can blitz the quarterback. I love the fact that Michigan often dropped him into zone coverage. Uh, I think he's a great consolation prize at the 10th overall pick. So if he was there, I'd be for taking him. Absolutely. But I think, you know, with the Broncos moving forward, and you guys might disagree, they have a lot more needs to address than they have picks right now. They've got concerns at cornerback, at quarterback, at tight end, on the offensive line, whether it's offensive guard or center or tackle. They could use another wide receiver. They could use another edge rusher in case Bradley Chubb or Von Miller, God forbid, ever went down. They need someone on the interior of their defensive line moving forward. And a lot of the guys on the D-line that they have, whether it's Shelby Harris or Adam Gotsis or Derek Wolf, their contracts are ending up. So I think it's not who the Broncos should take, what's the best move for them. And I think trading back and accumulating more picks to address all the needs and future needs this team has would be the best case scenario. And there's a lot of players I like in this draft, and I think it would be hard to mess it up, but – 
I think the value for Denver right now, given the situation that we were just dropped and told about 30 minutes ago, and given everything leading up to it, that whatever Denver can do to get the most capital, to get the most players, to help transform this team and its future identity is the best move. So there's no one player at 10 that's going to solve this issue for Denver and take them to the top of the mountain they want to get back to. It's going to take a series of moves that are calculated and well thought out to get them to that point. And I think trading back and getting an extra second or third round or fourth round pick or even a future pick would be in their best interest. And we can talk more about the players I like after that, but that's kind of my verbose way of saying they need more help than they can get with just the 10th pick. So I would like to see them get more picks. What do you think, Joe? Who they, who should they take? Ed Oliver. <laughs> if he's there. If he's there, Ed Oliver. There, like, there's no question. Uh, I, I would say he's either the second or third best player in this draft. And the only only player I like for Denver more than him is Quinn Williams. But there's there's literally no reason that Quentin Williams will fall unless he has like a bong video or he's connected to a murder or something stupid that, you know, we can't predict. Um, Ed Oliver, there is a chance, but it's a small, small chance. Uh, after that, like Hart said, White is probably not there either. The only reason White might fall is because positional value. Tampa Bay, from all reports, loves him. There's been more, there's been more reports connecting Tampa Bay to Devin White than there has been connecting Denver to Drew Locke, at least in recent weeks. So, and then, so after that, I would say Devin Bush. Uh, I, on Give Force, when I wrote my thing, I, I said there's four players that I like at four, at 10. Uh, Hawkinson's the other one. The positional value is not great, but he's just so good that it's kind of a best player available. And then after that, I would accept Jonah. Jonah Williams is going to be probably a 10 year player. It's cliche to say that, but at the same time, Jonah Williams is so technically sound and he's so focused on the game that you can take that pick and he might be a guard, but he's going to be an amazing guard. And if Bowles ends up going in two years or in a year when you have to get rid of him, Jonah could slide out to left tackle and it might solve that problem. So he would be an okay pick at 10. He'd be boring, but he'd be a great pick. Oh, no, nothing is ever boring as as the beginning of this podcast has has indicated. So, um, I guess the next question has to be with that tenth pick, if they're picking, because Hart, I hear you. I'm all about draft capital. I'm, I'm if you've listened to the show, you know I'm I'm trying to build that draft capital as well. But if they do pick somebody, who will it be? Who do you, just I'm looking for a prediction here, you guys. This is just a simple prediction. Um, Hart, I'll let you I'll let you go first. TJ Hawkinson. That that's just what my gut's telling me if they stick there at 10. I know that this is a deep class at tight end. I think everyone agrees that, but I was just formulating and finalizing my top 100 big board, which will be revealed in a couple of days. And when I watch him play, I see a young Jason Witten. And we all know how Jason Witten was just awesome for the Cowboys for a really long time. And since he was so terrible at broadcasting, he's going to go back and play football again. Um, but, it, you know, as deep as this class is, if if you can look at, you know, if you can go in at number 10 and you can say, 
holy cow, I can get a Jason Witten. That kid's a Hall of Fame. I mean, Witten's a Hall of Famer. And Hawkinson, he's so good at blocking. He's so good at getting open. He can do everything. And we all know how much Joe Flacco loves tight ends. We know how much uh, George Kittle was so important to Shanahan's offense, which Scandrella will be bringing here to Denver. Fans will probably have a tough time swallowing a tight end at 10 because it's not the sexy pick. But if you can get a tight end that can transform this offense, which we've been looking for for years, why not do it? Um, which is why I see Hawkinson right now. Um, that's what I'll go with. Ian, what about you? <laughs> I, I'm thinking it's going to be Devin Bush. Because as much as I I would love Ed Oliver, like Joe, I, I, just, I think the, the window is very small for him to be there. And a couple of things would have to fall for it to, to, to even be possible. So as much as I want it to happen and as much as I would love for it to happen, I think it's going to be Devin Bush. And then as my wife rolls her eyes because she knows what's going to happen, we're going to go from Chubb jokes to Bush jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that part. <laughs> that's great. Now that's all you'll think about. Is, yeah, is, it's true. Is Chubb jokes and Bush jokes. We love Bush. He ran away from Chubb right into the bush. The Broncos may love Bush. Oh my goodness. Look look what has happened to our to our our podcast. It's it's gotten funny. Um yeah, I don't know. You know I'm not in the business of predicting picks. Uh and and I don't I don't tie myself to picks anymore after what happened last year with Baker Mayfield. I just don't even think about it. That's how I cheat my way out of not having to worry about that. Um. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. There is, there are more rounds than the first round, right? So are there, are there any players, Joe, are there any players later on in the draft, you know, second round, third round, fourth round, it goes all the way to the seventh round, I suppose. But are there any, any players in the draft in the later rounds that you think would be uh, either a steal for the Broncos uh, or, or somebody that they should target that would that would be somebody that could have an impact right away but is later in the draft? Dalton Risner comes to mind right away, and I know he's kind of the Colorado favorite, but he would be a great pick. Denver has an immediate need on the interior offensive line. Uh, if he's not there, Chris Lindstrom would do a lot of the same things. I actually think he's a better fit, but they'd both step in immediately as a guard. Uh in that same vein, Eric McCoy would be a center. But another player in a lot of Broncos country doesn't seem very high on the idea of a wide receiver. But uh, Denver was at the Stanford Pro Day, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside blew up his combo- or his Pro Day. I could see him being the pick there, and he would end up being the heir to Emmanuel Sanders. He's an acrobat with the ball. He's a great contested catch artist, and he'd be a red zone threat. And suddenly Denver would have two big red zone threats with Cortland Sutton and guys that could go up and get passes from Flacco. 
So that's the second round. Otherwise, I love Blake Cashman and I love Cahill Waring. If they pass on TJ Hawkinson in the first, Cahill Waring's my next guy that I really like. He, there's been some reports with weird interview type stuff, but you never know from anonymous scouts. But he's one of those guys. He's kind of new to football. He played at he played at a school where he didn't really get a lot of opportunities to catch. But he looks like Todd Heap when he's going up to catch the ball. So his ceiling's really high. Uh, Dawson Knox, same thing. He's really good. Didn't get a lot of opportunities to catch touchdowns, but he's an athletic marvel, and he'd be a great tight end in the third. I, I got to ask, do you think Dalton Risner gets out of the first round? I, I, I just feel like he's one of those names that keeps popping up as, as somebody who might go late in the first round. I think he goes to Houston. I I, I definitely think... Houston's taking an offensive lineman in the first round and Dalton Risner. I think for Denver's scheme, he's like a second round talent, which isn't an indictment, but there are questions about his ability to block at the second level. He's great in outside zone, but his mobility is not quite as good as Lindstrom's. But the thing with Risner is Risner is so versatile. He can play basically four of the five line spots and Houston needs four linemen. So basically they could grab Risner wherever they need him to play, he'll eventually be able to play. So he won't be there. But if he's there for one, I love him. <laughs> Hart, what do you got? Late round guys. Late round guys. So not second or third day, or can I talk? You can uh, you can go second, third day. I mean, uh, you know. Well, we'll talk about Reisner here and, and just his whole story. I mean, back when I started my future Broncos segment, I thought that he would just be a fantastic fit for the Broncos in the second round. But – given the fact, like Joe had said, that he can play – you would feel comfortable pairing him anywhere but left tackle in this league. And when you can get that in a prospect, you probably want to put a first-round grade on him. I have an early 2A grade on him, early second round, but I don't honestly think that he's going to be there for Denver. So Denver probably would have to go a different direction. And Chris Lindstrom, obviously – zone blocking at Boston College, plug and play, guard, that's going to be a tenure starter. It would be fantastic for the Broncos at 41. But at the same time, everybody knows in this league with how pass rushers are going, how the game's going, the league needs O-linemen. So I don't even know if he's going to be there. But one of the players that after doing a lot of film study, and I kind of found him out a couple months ago, just looking – because everyone knows that Denver needs an inside linebacker for Vic Fangio's scheme, and we were so in love with the idea of getting Devin White, but that has kind of been dashed with the reality that it's probably 95% certain he won't be there. And if the Broncos were to opt not to take Devin Bush at 10 or in the first round, who are we going to look at at linebacker to fill that athletic mode uh, that uh, mold, that sideline to sideline speed that Fangio requires in his defense. And there's two guys for me, and one I'm more high on on the other, and I think that they're more second or third round guys. And the guy that I am intrigued by the most is Jelani Tavai out of Hawaii. He's a redshirt senior, and for the past several years, he's amassed over 100 tackles for the Rainbow Warriors. And they play a unique defense there, so he's – been lined up at outside linebacker. He's been lined up at inside. He's been playing D-line. And from looking at guys like Tony Pauline and Dane Brugler, who have such a good pulse on the league and are such good draft analysts, 
you know, three, four weeks ago, nobody was talking about him, but they are more than certain that he's going to be gone in the top 75 picks. So if Denver didn't take a first round linebacker, I would love to see Jelani Tavai there. And as much as Jermaine Pratt out of NC State has his issues, he's still kind of working himself into that position after being a safety recruit with the Wolfpack. And I really like his athleticism. I like his ability and coverage. And the deficiencies that he has right now are correctable. He just needs to get acclimated to the game more. I mean, he gets washed out on blocks. He doesn't take on blocks well, but there's a fine difference between being a safety who's playing, you know, 10, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage than coming up to the middle where you're literally four to five yards off the estimated impact on any given play. So Jermaine Pratt and Jelani Tavai are two guys at linebacker that I'm really a fan of. And as far as other positions go, I agree that we do need a wide receiver. Adding someone else to the core alongside Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton, who are the future, is paramount because, honestly, we're all thankful for what Emmanuel Sanders has done. And he's been a terrific Bronco since we've acquired him. But Denver really needs somebody to take that edge off moving forward, someone who can take the top off of a defense. And as Albright has said um, over the past few weeks, and he's a guy that even before Albright said that has been on my list, is Deontay Johnson out of Toledo. Um, If you even go to NFL.com, scouting report on him for the draft, his comparison is Emmanuel Sanders. And what he provides for the Broncos immediately is someone who can go deep, but someone who is one of the best kick returners and punt returners in collegiate football. And I think with the depth of this draft, because it's so deep in the second, third rounds, a guy like that, give it, I mean, this the wide receivers in this class are uncanny and there's so many good ones. You can find a guy like him in the fourth or fifth round to really upgrade your team. And Denver's got a fourth rounder and two fifth rounders. So Deontay Johnson would, would be one of those guys again. And um, as far as, a sleeper for me and he's been a sleeper of mine throughout the whole draft process is Amon Marshall out of USC. I think he's a fantastic fit for what Fangio wants to do on defense and he can really play well in those cover three reads, those cover four shells and whether or not you want to put him at corner or at safety or have him at a hybrid position as Rover or star, he would add a lot of value to the defense. And I think that given the depth in this class, and the other players ahead of him, he's a name that you could probably get in that fourth or fifth round, but someone who's going to be a starter for a long time. And those are just four of the names of the guys that I really like for Denver beyond the first couple of rounds in this draft. And there's just so many of them. And uh, But, yeah, those four, four guys I truly believe can make a difference at the next level, and I'd be ecstatic if Denver took them. All right, now let's jump into the the quarterbacks here and players to avoid. So, Joe, I I know you lump those players together. So, it, are, are, with good that, reason. You're, is that how you're viewing this draft? Is to just avoid the quarterbacks? It's it's not that. It's there's quarter there's there's there are good quarterbacks in this class. I just don't think there's a guy that's really worth taking at 10, knowing like where the talent in this draft is. And I think if you're going to pass on a quarterback at 10, 
it's not really good value to take a guy in the second or third unless somebody like unex like if Dwayne Haskins falls to forty one, you take Dwayne Haskins and you run like you run to the podium to grab him. Same with Drew Locke. If they're at forty one, that's amazing value. But at ten, it's it their warts are a lot bigger, and that makes it kind of scary. That said, I still do expect LA to take Drew Locke. I might be wrong. I might be the last one on that hill, and I might die on that hill. But I just think the fact that in the last four days, all of a sudden the reports are turning away from it, just kind of screams that like something something's off about it to me. I I'm not saying I want them to take Drew Locke, but I think that might be what happens. But the big ones for me is I don't like Daniel Jones. I think he's he's a low ceiling guy with a lot of holes in his game. I think at his very best, he'll be the 16th best quarterback in the league. He might be safe because he's not going to embarrass your franchise, but I just don't think the upside's there. So he's he's the guy you draft on. Then once his rookie contract's done, you walk away from it. Um, the other one for me, I don't like uh, Stidham, Jarrett Stidham. He's out of Auburn. He went through a coaching staff change, and like that's kind of been the the blanket cover up for why he looked so bad last year. But at the same time, like I watched some of his 2017 tape, and I don't see the same kind of promise that that people say was there. I watched the Alabama game that he played in 2017 twice. He won the iron bowl, but he's doing the same stuff that you see in the 2018 tape. He stares down rushes. He gets scared in the pocket. I don't think he'll survive in the NFL. I think he's a camp arm. I think he's the guy that gets off the bus and he looks good. And as soon as he's in a game, he looks like Paxton Lynch. Ouch. Ooh, dirty words. Wasn't. We might have to put the adult rating on this yeah, version this of the is, podcast. This is a family show. How dare you? Ooh, Paxton Lynch. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't mind chiming in on that quarterback. Take question. it. Yeah, jump in. You know, I, I don't believe with everything that's been transpiring in the past 24 to 48 hours that they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. But it's an absolute guarantee that at some point in this draft, they're going to have to add one in. I agree with Joe that you don't want to take one in the first round in this draft. Uh, as much as I like Drew Locke, and I really do, I'm not comfortable with him at 10 at all. I'm not comfortable with Kyler Murray at 10 at all. I'm not comfortable at Daniel Jones at 10 at all. But there's going to be a quarterback picked by the Broncos at some point in this draft because they have Joe Flacco, Kevin Hogan and that Colorado is it Garrett Grayson that they have? Is that yes. the yep. Garrett Grayson? Okay. And that is what it is, but there's no way in heck that they come out of this draft without getting a young developmental arm, because we know that Garrett Grayson is just another guy. Uh, we know that Kevin Hogan is just another guy. And with having a new offensive coordinator in town with Rich Ganzarello and a new offense, he's going to get a toy to play with to help and learn. And that guy doesn't have to be the quarterback of the future because every team in the NFL needs a backup quarterback. And right now, everybody listening to this knows that Kevin Hogan and Garrett Grayson aren't it. But what if a Brett Ripon is there in the third or the fourth round who moves very well outside of the pocket, got better every year at Boise State. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he reads the defense as well, and he makes throws well on the move. 
And I think that's an intriguing option for the Broncos in the third or fourth round if they go that way. Um, so he's a prospect I really like. And as much as people kind of down his age, Ryan Finley out of North Carolina State, he's never going to be the guy. He's not going to be that guy that gets you to the Super Bowl. He's not going to be a Tom Brady. But when I watch that Wolfpack offense with Harmon and the weapons that he has, he just, in Kobe Myers, he does a good job of taking what's there for him. So if he's there in the third or fourth round, the Broncos getting a developmental quarterback just to have in case something were to happen to Flacco is a smart move. And I think that's the way that they're going to go. I don't think that you're going to see something in the first round. I don't think that you're going to see a quarterback in the second round, but in that third or fourth round area where they can get a developmental guy, even if they know that he might never get there to be a starter, it's just a wise move because do you really want to enter the 2019 season with Kevin Hogan or Garrett Grayson as your QB two on your roster? Probably not. That's not a good. Here's my thing. If you're going 2020 or bus, that almost sounds appealing. And I'm, and I'm not saying that I just want to tank if Flacco goes down, but like with the kind of value that's about to about or so this draft, if you can wait until the fourth or fifth round and grab whatever quarterback is left over, like if Finley falls to five, I love it. I think I agree with you. I think he, he shows more on tape. Then I honestly, I think he looks better on tape than Daniel Jones does, but I think Daniel Jones is going to be a better pro like with time. Mm. But I think Ryan Finley gives you a lot of what you get out of Daniel Jones, but you'll be able to get him at a bargain cost. And I think if he goes in the fourth, I can live with it. If you take him in the third, I'm not happy because I don't think he's ever going to be a starter. He'll be the guy that comes in. He might be case Keenum and might be a bad starter, but you're never going to want him to be your starting quarterback. But I do think, think I agree with Hart that if they can come out of this draft with a quarterback that if Flacco goes down, at least you you watch to see if he improves. That'll be good. Because Kevin Hogan, they gave him, I think it's like $1.1 They don't believe in him. He's just filling a spot. Yeah. Just, yeah, no offense to Hogan. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I, if his family's listening, I don't yeah, mean that in a bad way. But I just mean like if they, if they wanted him as QB2, they would have gave him more money than that. Yeah, Kevin, Ho- Kevin Hogan's mom's a big fan of the show, so – I mean, I mean, no disrespect to any players because I, you know, I, I, can't I don't either. But I'm just saying, from a business standpoint, if the Broncos were afraid, if the Broncos were afraid of losing Kevin Hogan, they would have offered him more than the bare minimum contract. He's yeah. just another guy. I guess. I guess my feeling on that, and I, I don't know about about it, but I just don't. If you're if you're drafting a guy just to fill a position, or just because if Kevin Hogan is just a just a guy. So is the guy you take in the fourth or fifth round. What's the difference? Why waste the pick? That's that's sort of my take. Uh, and then uh, everybody knows how I feel. If you listen to this show about waiting to take a quarterback until 2021 when we have when we go 0 and 16 and uh, we have a shot at Trevor Lawrence because that's that's the goal right there. <laughs> and not to throw cold water on Adam's dream, but as I've said repeatedly. Trevor Lawrence is going to end up with the New England Patriots after after Tom Brady retires and they go 0-16. And then they have Josh McDaniels and Trevor Lawrence for the next 15 years. Well, Josh McDaniels will screw that up, so I'm fine with that because he's an awful coach. He's the worst coach ever. That guy sucks. (laughs) 
So, so there's that. <laughs> you know, and, and I agree with you guys with with your first and second, third round picks. I want the Broncos to pick players that are going to come in and play right away. And we know that a quarterback with the first three picks is not going to be that guy. But I have absolutely no problem with Stidham or Ripon or any of those guys, even a Tyree Jackson in the fourth round. It's a fourth-round pick. Look at how many fourth-round picks the Broncos have literally thrown down the garbage can the past couple. Omar Bolden, Phillip Blake. I mean, in the fourth round, taking the quarterback that has starting upside, that's a good gamble because when it becomes the fourth to seventh rounds, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, there are guys, I mean, as much as we love the draft and study it, by the time the 100th pick rolls around, they're picking guys I've never even heard of and most even analysts haven't even heard of. So if you can get a quarterback that shows some sort of promise and fits what you want to do on offense in the fourth round, it's worth the gamble because, you know, history shows most fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders don't pan out anyway. So um, I've I've got no problem with if they take any quarterback in the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh round. As long as I know who they are and they actually felt what we want to do, I'll be fine with it from a value standpoint because quarterback is the most important position for a franchise regardless. So if you can get someone who has the capability of at least helping out the team or being a starter down the road, albeit not a future franchise one, every team needs somebody like that. And as I said earlier, Kevin Hogan and Garrett Grayson aren't those guys. Um, and we won't know if any of the guys that we talked about would be those guys. But out of all the names we mentioned, I think that they have a lot more promise than what those two offer. So fourth round, if Elway takes quarterback, so be it. I'm fine with it. All right. That's the heart uh, stamp of approval there. You know what? Uh, I just think it's it's great that it all comes back to the quarterback, even when it's a bad quarterback. And so um, it looks like we're going to be – Finding out in the next couple of days what's going on. Got to say thank you to to Hart and, and Joe. You guys are great tonight. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Check us out on Thursday. Uh, Ian and I are going to be back with a, a first-round draft recap, uh, so that should be fun as well. We're going to plop it out there and expect it to perform. Ooh, right at the right at the death nail there. I like that. All right. Thanks a lot, fellas. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.